2: Let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 16-123. 116 That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: Hello and welcome to the Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club.
2: let share that goal for Oh, I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hitting. It. It's cracked!
3: Yes, but you're not Ben. Who's Ben? Ooh, he will will hate that, but don't worry listeners, Ben will be with us shortly, but we're going to start this episode with the Cheltenham game. Um, I promise those who are listening that the reason for the late recording is that we could all enjoy our bank holiday weekends, whether it be at barbecues or watching the cricket or talking to Nesta Lorenzo. Um, What were you doing, Connor? Um,
4: had a barbecue, sort of tried to get rid of the hangover that was sort of Cheltenham induced uh, and yeah, just sort of generally enjoyed the weather and uh, yeah, enjoyed a good weekend.
3: So let's talk about Cheltenham. The curse remains as far as I'm concerned because we didn't get a win. We went ahead twice through Owen Doyle, but we were pegged back twice by... Chris Hussey and the other one was Varney wasn't it?
4: Uh, yeah Luke Varney scored sort of just before half time so yeah I mean technically we are still not won there so the curse does continue but this was very much two points dropped rather than one point gained whereas before the game I definitely would have taken a point it's a difficult ground to go to Cheltenham's team looks quite good this season as well a few decent former town connections in there as well uh, but The way that the game actually went, I don't think Cheltenham could have been too unhappy if they'd have sort of lost by a couple of goals. Um, We definitely should have had probably one, if not two more. And a couple of their goals were sort of, if it falls you on the day, then great. But quite a lot of the time, the ball doesn't fall in that way. And uh, neither of those goals happen. So, yeah, definitely absolutely fine with the result. But um, I did leave the game thinking that Swindon should have made a bit more of that and got the full three points.
3: So walk me through the game then. So, I mean, let's start with the terraces. So yet another magnificent turnout by the town fans.
4: Yeah. And I mean, actually, I think the fact that this is right at the start of this season, really, we've had a few games to sort of get used to the team. So we know that we like a few players um, and how things are going. But also the last away game last season was Cheltenham as well. So um, it's fairly recently that we all went there last season to, uh, to sort of see a bit of a disaster really Um, does sort of show how far things have come, not just in terms of on the pitch, but off the pitch in the, in the terraces, like you say, Um, I think the mood was completely different. I mean, obviously last season there was the the coverage of the sort of scraps that were happening in the away end, which obviously nobody really wants to see. Um, And just in general, a bit of a sense of mutiny towards the team um, as well. Whereas this season, Even when things were going wrong, I think the fans got behind the players um, sort of 100%. They were clapped off at the end of the game, which uh, doesn't always happen um, unanimously from the the, the stands. I think most people did stay back to sort of uh, show their appreciation for a good performance. Um, But before the game, even then, um, I mean, they were singing from about 10 minutes before kickoff, which, again, doesn't always happen. It's quite often you get the whistle to start the game, and that's when the sing- the, the singing starts as well. So um, yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised at just how much has changed in sort of the last literally four months since we last played them there. So uh, yeah, definitely a good sign. Unity, not mutiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good soundbite. You should use that.
3: There was only a couple of changes, wasn't there? Uh, Anderson came back in, and Tyler Reed came in for the injured Zeki Fryers.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's sort of pretty much the best team that we could have put out given the circumstances. Obviously, a lot of people might have wanted to see Yates play or get on the bench, but obviously we couldn't because of the suspension. Um, thanks to injury, uh, Anderson couldn't play on Tuesday and he came back in and made a pretty good performance, I thought. Um, and of course, Reed sort of made his... Uh, start because of the, the fact that Friars is injured, so um, it was a little bit, little bit of a shuffle, I mean the fact that Rob Hunt went to left back and Reid went in at right back did mean that, although in terms of personnel it wasn't a huge change from Tuesday um, there was a bit of a shuffling of the pack and I think the fact that we were sort of playing away from home as well did mean that maybe the midfield were sort of seen a bit too uh, a little bit deeper than uh, you'd usually get, but also, I didn't see the, the the Northampton game, so I can't really compare uh, based on that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it was a bit of a shuffling of the pack, even if the the players were by and large the same. But um, yeah, pretty much the strongest team that we could have put out, I think.
3: And how how did the game start for Swindon? Was it the usual all guns blazing, or were Cheltenham looking like a danger at any point, or was Swindon comfortable? How did it how did it begin?
4: Well, as you alluded to. Uh, in the intro, it has been sort of three days since the game now, so I don't remember exactly what happened, but from what I remember really, the the goal at the start came from just kind of the culmination of both teams sort of playing pretty nicely in midfield for a few minutes, obviously it's a very early goal so um, technically we did kind of come out all all guns blazing, but I can't remember anything happening before that, I think it was just some nice build-up play probably got in some nice areas before the goal, but um, yeah it it was one of those things where unlike Swindon would usually do, we pretty much ch- took our first big chance of the game and um, obviously set us off to a flyer. So um, great goal, um, lovely build-up by uh, Doughty, sort of flicking the ball into the the channel for Isgrove to pick up. And then his cross was sort of beautifully weighted and touch and finish from Doyle was uh, magnificent. And because it was at the other end of the ground to uh, where all the Swindon fans were, uh, I couldn't really appreciate that until I saw highlights of it after the game. But yeah, it was a fantastic sort of uh, bit of technique from Doyle to get that into the net
3: mm, and the frustrating narrative about this first half is obviously the fact that we, we took the lead twice and we just couldn't hang on to that lead for for very long so former player Chris Hussey getting the equaliser after 19 minutes
4: it was a good goal to be fair um, I think it came after they had a bit of a spell of pressure I think they put the ball in the box and Swinon did look a little bit shaky in the area from from what I remember the, if you look at the highlight, the ball sort of just sort of is crossed too high. It's then sort of cut, cannons down off a player's head and lands right where Chris Hussey wants it, with sort of maybe two yards of space right onto his left foot, and he's got time to sort of shoot into the corner. So um, obviously, when he was a Swindon player, we did see the fact that when he's sort of in that sort of space in the box, sort of from the edge of the area to the penalty spot, that he he does have a decent shot. I think he he may have only scored one goal but that goal against Luton definitely sort of sticks in the memory so um he was always going to score that I think when it when it came when it fell that way the only thing that what well, I alluded to earlier is that the ball might not always bounce that way uh in another game so yeah no complaints for that one uh and I think he enjoyed scoring against the, the right in front of the Swindon faithful who sort of immediately gave it large to him as well yeah. which uh was an interesting subplot to the game anyway.
3: Yeah, they gave him a bit of stick before the goal, I, I seem to recall. And, I mean, his spell was seemed to be blighted by injury, but one has the suspicion that he might not have got on with a certain former manager of Swindon's as well.
4: I think until... So I was looking at, just before we recorded, sort of just some information about the game, and I think his only ever goal for Cheltenham before that had come against Flickcroft. So uh, he's clearly got in for... <laughs> that season at Swindon so uh, yeah who can really blame him I do as well
3: mm, yeah quite in previous seasons and no, history really doesn't mean a lot you know people always look to it and we talk about this curse and we joke but I mean come on we've not won there ever in, in a competitive fixture and this is the point where I think most of us both in the ground and at home were probably thinking here we go this is, this is it the usual the usual story is going to unravel now but Town again took the lead
4: yeah, so, I mean, to go back to what you, you initially pointed out there, um, by the when we won the up, I sort of think, well, maybe this is a break from history. We could end up winning about three, four, five nil at this rate, <laughs> uh, and then was immediately brought back down to earth, which is why <laughs> I should never be allowed to think these kind of things. Never did. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, uh, But they responded really well to it. It was one of those things where you sort of think, well, Cheltenham had a very brief spell of pressure, and then Swindon reacted really well, uh, which... Again, after sort of a brief wobble against Exeter, they came back and sort of produced a couple of good chances to, right towards the end of the game. Could have uh, obviously scored against Exeter and could, probably could have had another, maybe another maybe another one after that. So we have rallied before in away games, and I think the same happened here. But what I would say is that the goal did kind of come not from sort of a big sort of spell of pressure, but from just a really clever sort of spell of playing up from the back from Baudry, who... Received the ball, looked like there's absolutely nothing on. And he just sort of clipped a left-footed pass right onto uh, the path of Lloyd Isgrove, who then rather than cutting inside and playing across, went around the outside, put in the low ball. And uh, I mean, from where we were stood looking at that goal, you could tell that, that was a perfect striker's finish. You won't see many better than that in League 2. Um, right into the roof of the net. And yeah, fantastic goal to be scoring at any level, really. But that's sort of that technique is a cut above and Definitely the sort of goal that we wouldn't have scored last season. So it felt really good. And again, I was sort of starting to think, yeah, maybe this is a break from history, which is dangerous thinking when you're at Cheltenham.
3: Absolutely. Is. And Owen Doyle's doing what we all thought Owen Doyle would do when he was first linked to us in the summer, scoring.
4: Yeah, and you you obviously can't put a price on that. Obviously he's on loan, so don't have to put a price on that. Yeah, I mean, the fact that in... How many league games have we had now? We've had the the two at home, the three away. We've got, had five goals from uh, the strikers that played in those in those five games. Can't really complain about that. And yeah, other than that sort of Northampton loss, we've picked up at least a point in each game. So um, you can't you, you can't really complain too much. The the goals that the strikers are sort of weighing in with uh, are important ones at this stage. I think Yates opened the scoring uh, against Scunthorpe, obviously. Got the equaliser against Carlisle, and then uh, Doyle's goals have been crucial in getting points away from home in the last couple of games as well. So, that's exactly what we wanted going into the season. Um, obviously, we have spoken about how under De Cania, for example, um, we only had sort of I think Benson on twelve or thirteen, Connell around the same as well. Uh, but it is nice to sort of think that maybe Yates and Doyle, one of them, sort of goes on to get twenty in the season. So. Um, definitely a good sign and I uh, hope that between them they can keep that kind of scoring for one goal a game because that would be excellent
3: it certainly would but the problem with this game is there were a few lapses in in concentration at the back which allowed 55 year old Luke Varney to score uh, to make it 2-2 just before half
4: time. yeah and I don't think you'll see many worse goals to concede it's couple of errors really i know a lot of people have really gone in on tyler reed for his performance even in the stands sort of during the game a lot of people comment on how out of place he looks i think it's maybe a little bit unfair there were some points where you do think it'd be nice if one of the more experienced heads can just point tyler is supposed to stand here because he was out of position for that goal but at the point where he sort of makes the mistake, if you want to put it in that way. Um, it is a two-on-one. There are two Cheltenham players sort of on that flank. He doesn't really know which one to go with, and in that indecision, they can creep and get a cross across. But I think the real mistake is that you've got a Swindon defender and Luke McCormick stood sort of right next to each other, both completely frozen, and Varney sort of nips in at the near post. It's not a goal that you should ever concede because the goalkeeper should at least be sort of paying attention to what's going in and I think the way that it went in you, you, if you're sort of in the right position you're getting the ball you maybe not catching the ball but you may be parrying the ball wide um for a corner and that's fine you may be having a defensive mix up but probably shouldn't end uh, quite as badly as it did but yeah it was is probably one of the things where a few individual errors added up to allow what it was what was a very good run and finish by varney to to become a a goal that none of us really wanted to see but yeah, I was not a, big fan of, <laughs> not a big fan of the defending there, but I think to put it down to one person in particular is maybe unfair, even if when I was at the game, I was sort of spitting feathers at Luke McCormick for not covering his post.
3: Halftime 2-2, two, two. better than usual, feeling good? Or was it a case of, was there that feeling that it was going to be next goal wins or that there was going to be further chaos in the second half?
4: Well, so I think we've established that whatever I'm thinking doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. So I was sort of... The only thing I was really thinking about at half-time was how thirsty it was, because uh, they... For <laughs> some reason, weren't selling water at the game. It was only like Pepsi Max, and I, was, for some reason, didn't get one. So uh, I was mostly focused on that. But I, I do remember thinking that, to be honest, uh, we'd had a really good first half, I thought, with us attacking 15,000... 15, that would have been a pick of tennis. 1500 fans in the second half. Um, that... Potentially, uh, we I, I thought potentially that really the Swindon faithful would be able to make the difference and get over the line because, yeah, really, Cheltenham were not the loudest uh, in the first half and Swindon fans were in good voice. So I thought, yeah, this is hopefully a time where sort of the good feelings around the club will be able to sort of edge us over towards three points. I think mean, it is good potentially that Fry's maybe being out for a couple of weeks means that he, he might be able to get a couple of games, but I actually thought I a little Quite good when he came on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a bit—you can't really judge him off of 20 minutes against Cheltenham towards the end of the game, when also we're down to 10 men, and it's—it's a, it's a weird situation. But he looked very determined when he came on, and I think that was uh, definitely a good sign because, yeah, you do get the suspicion that if Wellens is as unhappy with Reed as some of the fans around me were, that potentially Ayende might get some minutes uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks.
3: So the second half plays out. A little—is it? Was it edgier? Was 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 there many? Were there many clear-cut cl- chances? Of course, uh, Baudry thought he'd won it for Swindon, only for it to be ruled out for offside. And I think the hangover from the Northampton game and the fact that we had the notorious Trevor Kettle as uh, the uh, referee, there was the replay suggests that it was the correct decision.
4: Yeah, it's one of those things. In real time, we're all absolutely up in arms about it um, because from. where you're you're looking as a fan is the ball was sort of in that sort of left wing position, gets swung in. And then you see Baudry behind two defenders, heading the ball into the net. Um, And when the ball was ruled out initially, when the game got there, when the goal was ruled out initially, my thought was, well, potentially he's climbed on his back. So Mm. that was a foul, but I mean, I think that's soft, especially in league two. I don't think that would usually be get given. So I looked over and saw the linesman had his flag up and, you see that he's behind two defenders and you think, how does that happen? Obviously you get back. And then you look at the sort of the footage that's gone up and from, from the footage I've seen, it's not completely clear if he's on side or offside or not. So I don't want to attack the linesman as much as I did <laughs> at the game on Saturday, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure if he's right. So I think if you, if you go with the benefit of the doubt for the, for the officials, than, than fair enough. But it definitely it, on the video, it definitely looks like more of an offside than it did in real time because it didn't look like a problem at all in real time from the angle that we're at. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things where when you do have to, like big decisions go against you early in the week, then I think you're right. There is sort of that lack of trust for uh, the officials in making the right decision. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, can't say I was too happy about it, especially because it was a fantastic header. So uh, it would have been nice for Bordry to get his town account open in that style, but yeah, we'll we'll go again for another week, and uh, I'm sure he'll sure he'll get a goal at some point in the season.
3: I don't agree with your use of "we'll go again," but I completely agree <laughs> that when 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 I when I watched the footage, I thought it was for climbing on the defender, but he, and am completely agreeing that was soft. I said earlier when Cheltenham kept scoring, there was this "here we go again" feed in. Well, about twenty minutes to go i think we were all thinking that when Doughty went full gordon greer and um <laughs> made mr kettle make a very easy decision
4: yeah and the thing is because because of the disallowed goal and uh, the offside decision in my mind from what i could see it wasn't a bad tackle but it's because where i was stood was directly behind where the cheltenham player that was fouled was sort of stood so you can't see the fact that head that had been taken off by some studs uh you can only see that doughty sort of sort of slid in and he looked like he was along the ground which obviously you see the clip and you're like very quickly yeah that was a bad opinion to have so um yeah you you that's a dark red you you can't really <laughs> uh quibble with that at all and um yeah the problem is then that we might miss him for i assume that's sort of not the kind of red we just get one one game ban like that would be a few games and uh that, that is gonna be a problem. And I actually I did think it was going to be more of a problem towards the end of the game than it actually was. Um Cheltenham really didn't make use of the fact they had an extra man. They looked pretty happy to go for the draw, other than maybe a couple of chances towards the end. But I actually thought both teams looked as likely as the other to to sort of get the winner and Swindon were just sort of kind of trying to get the point over the line at that point. So don't know what that says about Cheltenham, but yeah, they definitely weren't ruthless, and uh, we kind of got away with one there, I think.
3: I know what our friend Ben will be saying. He'll be saying three matches. It's only Morecambe, Leighton Orient, and Macclesfield, so um, best to rest. So we don't in. need
4: any, uh, don't need <laughs> any creativity against those teams.
3: That's what he'd say to reassure me. I know that for a fact. But um, Rose came on and and seemed to dust the cobwebs off quite
2: well.
4: Yeah, he. Um, it's important that he does that because. Fingers crossed to stay injury free. And I think with Doughty gone, him and Leiden could be a really good partnership um, in Doughty's absence. So definitely uh, not too, was not too unimpressed with that. I think he, he had a, a decent end to the game. Um, and like I said, I was pretty impressed by Andela as well. So I think for all the talk that we've had about the fact that the first 11 is fantastic and then the bench is a little bit weaker, um, actually, those are two pretty good subst- substitutes to make. Yeah, maybe we could have had that third player to bring on that would have maybe won us the game. But yeah, it didn't help that Doughty was sent off and obviously Yates was suspended because, yeah, Yates coming on would have been a a brilliant option sort of with the last 10 minutes of the game, um, sort of throw a few balls in there to sort of of a useful striker. And yeah, potentially if you have uh, Doughty on the pitch, then you can take off one of the more creative players and uh, just sort of try anything, even if you throw sort of, for example, Scott Twine on who played a role in the equaliser exit the, the week before. So um, it's a little bit unfortunate the way that it went, but I think we are definitely showing that although there are definitely, there is definitely sort of a best 11 players and uh, the rest of the squad, that the squad as well can chip in with important contributions when it's needed. And uh, hopefully, when it comes to those games against sort of uh, Macclesfield, Morecambe, Leighton Orient, um, those squad players who ultimately going to have to be involved at some point um, can uh, can make a difference.
3: Let's summarise with a few questions then, or a few final thoughts. So I think we've covered most of them, but upon reflection, let's start with the, the downside. What were the negatives from that game? Obvious sending off for Doughty aside, which will be a huge loss.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's the obvious one. Um, I think the main one would really be uh, the defending for both of the goals. Obviously, there have been a fair few goals conceded in the league this season, and we do look a, a little bit perceptible sometimes at the back. Uh, you probably, you should probably should be clearing in your back, uh, your box better than they did for the first goal, and um, even if it can fall differently on another day. And yeah, the second was unforgivable in a couple of different moments as well. There's, there's definitely more than one opportunity to clear up the mess that's already been created for the second one. So and I also seem to recall directly after the boundary. Re- disallowed goal that Cheltenham hoofed it down the other end and uh, there were very 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 panicked moments as Luke McCormick sort of tried to sort of claw the ball away from the goal Um, so definitely that is an area to work on but we did end last season pretty well defensively uh, aside from the Cheltenham away game so um, I'm hoping that this is just sort of a a spell um, while the team sort of gels together but we never know
3: What left you enthused post Cheltenham?
4: Infused would be the fact that pretty much all of the attacking players looks like they're on their game. Isgrove was fantastic um, on on Saturday um, as he has been the other couple of times that I've seen him. Um, Doyle is obviously in great form. I do like the look of the sort of new version of keshi Anderson that we've got, and equally Woolery didn't have his best game um, of the season so far, but sort of still looked until the end of the game like he was uh, sort of going to keep going and hopefully sort of fashion out a half chance so against those teams um that as ben often refers to on the podcast are going to sit a little bit deeper and make it difficult for us um i do think that we do have the tools in the arsenal to potentially unlock those defenses which we maybe haven't had before um and yeah i mean the the best sort of compliment i can give to swindon is that we went away from home scored two goals and definitely didn't look like we were not good value for it we we definitely deserved those two goals so on another day it all goes a little bit better and i think yeah with more come on saturday we got a good chance to sort of get the not winning run off our backs and sort of get another three points in the account
3: here's hoping connor thank you very much thanks for having me
2: so that's a little flick stroud what a good shot
3: listening to the low strangers podcast proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club yet again it's better late than ever it's ben wills hello ben Hello, Rich. I hope you don't fear being replaced by Connor, who was wonderful.
0: I'm always in fear of being replaced. I mean, uh, I very much enjoy the, the new direction of the podcast, going in with, with guests, I guess it's a fresh take on away games and other things. But I am um, constantly uh, worrying about being replaced. And uh, we've um, had some great debuts and other inputs from other people. I think Terry was brilliant uh, last week or a few weeks ago, and I'm sure Connor was as well. So, yeah. I'm very nervous, but glad that uh, many people get opportunities on this and uh, you get a better podcast as a result.
3: That was very diplomatic.
0: Well, I'm secretly seething, but uh, I'll be nice because (laughs) uh, I've got a reputation to to uphold.
3: (laughs) Uh, It's about time we probably got people on at the same time, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it would be a bit difficult uh, because we're all Skyping and not in the same location, but um, definitely I think it could be a round table of discussion could be a good idea if it's possible.
3: Indeed. We have to go back over a week to a certain game against Northampton Town. It's where Town lose for the first time in the league this season. It happened in controversial fashion. Ben, what do you remember?
0: <laughs> uh, very little, because my memory is like a sieve. And it's, like you said, about a week ago now. So uh, very difficult. But even though I, I might get onto to some hot takes later, perhaps, I'll, I'll definitely start with more generic and tertiary opinion that Swindon were... Uh, not brilliant but I think they were okay and I, I kind of expected Northampton to do what they did and part behind the ball and like I said I predicted a point um, last week so that aspect didn't surprise me but clearly uh, the headline from the game was that Swindon were robbed of one point um, at least from a, a pretty joke of an off call, really that, that cost them dearly.
3: I think that's the legacy of this game, isn't it? The um, I mean a lot of people came out of that game saying Swindon didn't deserve to win, but they certainly didn't deserve to lose. Even Keith Curl came out and said they were they got lucky on that one. Usually they're a little bit more defensive of their side than that. It was an atrocious decision
0: yeah it was pretty bad I mean it's never good when you can sort of see it from the press box straight away that's when you know that something's um, fishy and obviously the um, protests from the Swindon players are quite loud and you could see them crowding the ref for a long time and Wellens was as usual of not uh, particularly enjoying the call so so yeah it was, it was strange that the, the call was so bad from the beginning and you can you could tell straight away but um, you know I kind of think in a, in a backwards way it could have worked well for the club in a PR sense because you know we Discussed at length in the summer of um, you know the the mood around the place being quite good and I think it could have taken a bit of a dampener on that night because Swindon, uh, like you said, although they weren't bad enough to to warrant the defeat, they weren't particularly good enough to deserve the win either. So I think if that goal hadn't been given, there could have been a lot of a lot of discussion on forums and social media and the rest of it saying that you know are we going to struggle more often at home against these teams that sit in? And I think. That kind of took a bit of a back seat as the attention was focused, you know, purely on the officials and and the sort of um, fussful nature of the way Swindon uh, lost rather than the uh, play in general. So
3: given the result against Northampton, does that make the Cheltenham result good or is this generally a bad week for Swindon?
0: I think the Cheltenham result's better because I think last, you know, last week, uh, i said that I expect enough hunts to be a draw and Cheltenham to be a defeat and uh, I, I got the points right but it was, uh, the score was reversed and the, the game's reversed but I think it, it makes it a bit better because you know we, we don't normally lose at Cheltenham so to get, although it still isn't free, at least one is, is slightly positive and uh, it, it means that we ended the week on a, a relative high rather than having the, the draw in the week and then recording straight after a defeat so I think it's better. I think it's still a bad week because one point from six is never good. But you know, like I said last week, I kind of expected this week. I think Northampton's always going to be tough, and like I said, the ref got sort of ruined it further. But it's always going to be tough, and and Cheltenham, being uh, our record there is horrific, was always going to be uh, a tough one as well. So I, just, I still think it's a bad week, but I think it ended better than it could have done. And uh, I think Morecambe on Saturday is a good opportunity to put it right because that is the sort of team that we should be putting away by you know two, three goals. Fingers crossed.
3: I have to doff the proverbial to Marcus Eiffel who made the Swindon matchday squad for the game against Northampton, born in late two thousand and three, during that wonderful kingy parkin mooney season. Feeling old yet? I know I am.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in my uh, early to mid-20s and I, I even feel old at this sort of thing but um, I'm certainly getting used to it working with uh, Chippenham Academy and all of them are sort of 16 and 17 so I'm uh, becoming increasingly aware that people were born in the year 2003 and, uh, and Eiffel certainly added to that. So um, so yeah, it, it doesn't take much for me to feel old but that certainly did it. But um, fair play to Eiffel and hopefully we do get some actual minutes from him possibly in the um, EFI trophy if he gets lucky there but I think it was never going to be likely that he's going to get on, and you know, of, of course, he didn't. But it's still nice to have academy players on the on the pitch, and you don't see fifteen-year-olds um, making EFL team sheets very often. So that was a uh, something to enjoy, and though he didn't, even though he didn't quite get on. Do you
3: think it was a bit of a point-proving exercise, or or a selection of necessity?
0: I think it's all the latter. I think we had a few injuries going into that, so I, I don't think Wellens is the sort of person to make pointless statements at the at the chairman. I, I think. I mean, it could be said that it's just standard press talk, and he he's never going to badmouth the chairman in public. But for all intents and purposes, he seems to be getting on with power quite well. He he, he moans about the, uh, the the sort of lack of squad depth quite a lot, but I don't think he ever really targets the chairman or budget in that. So I don't think it was much of a pointed comment. But um, you know, clearly, like I said, Eiffel was never going to get on either. So I think it's just a necessity if there's an absolute emergency, and uh, like I said, a nice bonus for for personally but i don't think there was anything untoward with you know when's making a uh you know a saki comment or something like that
3: we'll move on for some general stuff west coast wizard friend of the pod asks excluding the efl cup game that's nine goals conceded in six games despite our ever encouraging attacking play and style we seem to be delicate at the back especially after scoring what needs to change
0: I think as you said like a few times on, the pod, on this pod I think it's just occupational hazard. I think we know that we know that Wellens is quite um, offensive and both full-backs in Friars and Hunt and Reid when he plays uh, are more offensive than defensive so they're always going to be quite vulnerable on the wings and Conroy even though Conroy's a defender is quite offensively minded in, in the sense that I think he'd much rather play um, a 60-yard pass rather than do tackling and that sort of thing. So um, generally about 9 of the 11 of the uh, starting are quite offensively uh, minded so they're not always to concentrate on defending all the time but generally I think even though the goals have sort of um, gone in more than we'd like like there's, uh, there's stuff in there defensively sound most of the time which, there's a few errors now and again but normally they're okay I think the Chatham second goal was pretty bad but generally they do all right but yeah I think it's just occupational hazard that Wellens is, is so offensive that I think we're going to be seeing more 3-2s and 2-1s rather than 1-0s this season and um, Hopefully, like I said a few times, hopefully Fryes and Hunt and uh, Reed, etc., can can be a bit more defensively sound going backwards. But but still, I think the the priority for them in terms of playing style will be contributing to goals rather than preventing them.
3: I think one thing that's become apparent over the last week is that some of the fans are beginning to turn on a few of the players. I think the most notable have been Tyler Reed and Adam May. I said in a previous episode, I think Tyler Reed needs regular games. He's not going to benefit from one game on and, and three or four games off. He needs to play regular football. So, axing him for Iandolo, for example, probably isn't the answer for me. Even though he played, Ellis played very well when he came on against Cheltenham. Adam May, he seems like the sort of player that's going to annoy many because he's so sort of languid and lethargic when he's not on the ball, but he does do things when he does get the ball. So I I think he's gonna be I think Dalty's had that accusation over the years as well that he looks like he's not interested, but I think that's just the way they play. Do we have to be careful
0: I think um every club and every club's fans will have uh those players that they sort of unfairly target and uh you know the, the big boys if you like when performances are going wrong you can have that sort of um scapegoat I think it's been by plenty of them in the past the likes of uh anton rogers and, and Rafa Branco etc but um I think it's quite clearly harsh on on both Tyler Reed and adam may probably because they've both even though the season's still early even by even by that standards they're, they're not getting many minutes and uh, Tyler Reed and adam may have got a long way to go in the season before they truly hit their you know, their, their true selves, if you like so I think the the one positive I can sort of take from this is that both Reid and May, if you name Swindon's best eleven, they're both backup players, so they they shouldn't be in the spotlight too often, and that's probably why, why they're being um, unfairly treated because you know they they're, they're not quite ready, but. Um, clearly Tyler Reed, um has got a few weeks now where he can hopefully um, really sort of engage himself with the supporters and, and win them round because Fry's is out for, what is it, three to four weeks, I think Welland's quoted. So, you know, I agree with you that I hope Ayangelo doesn't come in because Tyler Reed's on a two-year deal. So if people don't like him now, they should, well, they're going to have to get used to it because he's, he's going to be around here for a long time by Football League standards. So hopefully he does keep his place at right back and continues at left back and, and Reid can can grow into that, and while, while Fries is away, so hopefully that can that can be a good aim for him. And Adam May, again, he'll be in a few, few weeks now because uh, Dalt has got got himself suspended. But um, if Danny Rose doesn't come in immediately on Saturday, then Adam May has got a few weeks where he can um, bed himself in as well. So again, I, I haven't seen really May or Reid properly because I think only saw May sort of in pre-season and briefly against Northampton, but. Uh, I can see the, the the sort of opinion that people have of them, but you know, like I said, it's it's still quite early, and Adam May was I don't think by no means uh, a standout in terms of not quite being um, his full self on Tuesday. So I, I think there's there's hopes of the future that both uh, May and Reed can uh, can be liked uh, in future, but they'll, they'll need a bit more time because we are we are still in what mid to late August. So. Uh, the season is long, and hopefully both of them can uh, can reinstate themselves and and be popular um, sooner rather than later. Yeah,
3: you mentioned discipline then, and that's what we'll we'll talk about now. Town are averaging less than two yellow cards per game in the league, and that goes up if you include the cups. And of course, Jerry Yates was sent off against Colchester in the EFL Cup, and we lost Michael Doughty to a silly red card against Cheltenham and. The manager as is currently serving a touchline ban does this need to sort itself out pretty quickly or do you think Swindon can get through the season with that little bit of bite about them i know we're not getting that many cards but two reds and a touchline ban for his manager which is great it shows that he's passionate that he's on board and things like that and i get it and i like it and there's a reason why they wanted the dugout moved but do we need to keep an eye on that?
0: Uh, I think it was Terry that said last week that um, you know teams tend to affect the manager. I think that's definitely happening here too. Um, I'm not that bothered with a collection of yellow cards. I think it takes. I think isn't it five for a player to get suspended? So that can take quite a long time for a player to get suspended for that. But I think the only thing we need to sort of worry about is that the nature of the Reds rather than, rather than the Reds happening, I think Yates, you could argue that it's not really a red card, but even so, he's he's still sort of pushing and shoving after a, a challenge, which he should sort of sort of probably get over. And the Doughty one is, you know, is, is a red card in anyone's books. It's a, it's a reckless challenge. So I don't mind, you know, red cards generally that they happen, but clearly I think both of the ones that Swindon have had this season have been um, pretty reckless and unneeded. So that's that's what needs cutting out because Yates and Doughty are both key players and to lose them for... Um, three games apiece has been costly in the shape of Yates and and won't be good probably um, in the shape of Doughty. so that needs avoiding and I I don't really mind about Wellens either because like you said it's so passion. but I think more that uh, I think too much gets read into in-game management from the sidelines I think generally all all the work manager can do is during the week and in pretty much during the team talk so if Wellens isn't in the dugout during a a game and it's no 100 I don't think that will make much of a difference but um, the players as well I think it's more the case of that like, like I said, just cut out the stupid red cards and, and a collection of yellows and teammates are a problem as long as players don't lose their heads too often.
3: Jerry Yates returns from suspension for the game against Morecambe, I believe. Now we have a bit of a dilemma, don't we? It's Jerry Yates and Owen Doyle. Both have the same amount of goals, I think. But can they play alongside each other?
0: Yeah, this is my uh, hot take, to use the phrase, um, earlier this week that Got some agreement and some very strong disagreement. Um, I, I basically said that I don't think it would be a good idea for Yates and Doyle to start together. I think, although it's a, you know a educated guess at this point, given that we haven't actually seen them together yet, I think it, it won't just negatively affect them because you know Doyle's got um, three and three and Yates has got two and two. I think in the league anyway, so they're both doing perfectly perfect fine on their own. So I don't think there needs to be a massive change there going from from one to two, and I think it'll also lead to. You know Lloyd Isgrove and Kane Willery and Keshi Anderson being neg- negatively affected too because changing from a four two three one that generally attacking wise is working um, to a four four two or a three five two could lead to well uh, either the wingers dropping back in a four four two or the, being completely wingless in a three five two. So grove has arguably been the player of the season so far, and I think if you gave him a sort of reduced role, um, that would that would badly affect Swindon as well. So. I think it makes perfect sense for people to want um, Doyle and Yates together because they both started perfectly fine, and um, as far as goal records go, they're both 100% in terms of um, numbers for games. But I think I think it affects uh, badly the rest of the pitch as well because uh, you know you've got, got Kershaw Anderson too who who's been sort of flourishing at last in his natural number ten. and It could be leading to getting get rid of the number ten as well. So there are players behind sort of Yates and Doyle that could be negatively affected if the formation does change.
3: It's a big one really for me on Saturday, not in terms of. You know, huge for the season. But this next game against Morecambe is a game that Town haven't lost yet. It's the complete reverse of the Cheltenham situation, where what well, we're in 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 the league, we're played six, one, five, drawn one. So this is this is a big opportunity for Swindon and its forwards to. To really sort of give the Swindon fans something to cheer, and I think Wellens' selection for this game is absolutely crucial. And like you said, I do worry that that I think Yates will start on the bench. That that's my prediction. But my goodness, we got to get this one right.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think, I think the main one is centre midfielder. I think it, it depends if Rose is fit, whether he'll come in for Douty, or whether um, Wellens is going to trust the under fire, shall we say, Adam May. I think that, that's probably the biggest call, rather than the striker, but. Yeah, I, I if he's going to go a one, I'm, I'm sure Doyle will start over Yates purely because, unfortunately for Yates, Doyle has done nothing wrong. I mean, he, he didn't score um, in the Northampton game, but he's still got three and three um, in total given his disposing the away game. So I think if he is going to go a one, I think Doyle will start over Yates. But clearly, it's a it's a big call. But I think even though we have sort of said quite a few times that the home games will be the ones that. We struggle more often because teams will bank in. I still think Swindon should have the quality, quality to beat a team of, um, you know, Morecambe's stature and playing staff. It should be, you know, just enough. I think we said last season that I wasn't overly impressed with uh, Swindon generally and their play against Morecambe at home last season. They still sort of swept them aside 4-0. So if Swindon play to a reasonably Richie Wellens standard, then there should be it should be a game they wouldn't have relative ease, but you know I'm always prepared to look like a a with these predictions. I, I think I said banker games too many often and uh it's not happened, but I still think Morecambe should be one that Swindon target with a a quite routine win, and the uh, even if they do put men behind the ball Swindon should have enough about them to to get past them.
3: I'm going for three one Swindon.
0: This will be one of the few clean sheets I think. I'll go for a standard two nil, but um. And I'm, I'm sort of half doing that because I've, I've got the ludic- ludicrously high um, position of like 22 clean sheets, so we're going to get some out. So, um, so yeah, hopefully we get a clean sheet. Uh, it'll be it'll be long overdue in that way.
3: Yeah, we've only ever conceded one against them. There's there's your uh, there's your kiss of death, everybody. God, we, I just hope
0: we win. Yeah, like I said, I think a, a bad week got a minor shell on it because the Cheltenham game wasn't too bad, and Northampton we weren't outplayed. It was a you know a, a bad decision that cost us that. So the mood is still generally high, but I think that would plummet if we don't get maximum on Saturday so um yeah I think this is a, a bigger game not in terms of the league or how it will go but clearly I think amateur and mood around the club this could be um quite pivotal I think
3: I don't think you can argue if, if town do drop points against Morecambe you can't argue against any of the uh the negativity that would follow
0: yeah that's that's what's worrying me and I'm, I'm yeah. being uh far too confident for a podcast that's recorded <laughs> and, and people have on uh they can they can uh, drag out pretty quickly if I'm wrong. So um, I'm getting more anxious the longer we record. <laughs> mm,
3: yes, well, let's move on because next Monday, the 2nd of September, is transfer deadline day. We've made it, everybody. Kirk Simons asks, is the City Sunoco deal dead in the water or is it still ongoing?
0: I haven't really got any latest on this. I think Wellens will no doubt get asked either in the, the pre-match press that's going on this week or or um, straight after Morecambe, given it be the last game before the window shuts, I think. So as far as I'm aware, it's still ongoing and they're still waiting on international clearance paperwork. But that seems to have gone on for quite a long time now. But I think Welland still wants the, the player in. So there's been no recent quotes for a, a week or two. So I'm just assuming that it's still ongoing, but I'm sure we'll know more um, by the close of the weekend.
3: I wonder whether... We've got Sunoco as an insurance policy if other transfers don't go through. So we've put in the paperwork, kind of like the Krastev situation. That's incredibly harsh, if that's the case. And I'm not suggesting the club are doing that. But these these 28 days, they don't usually take that long. So I do wonder whether there is a little just put him to the side and, and let's see what town can get in.
0: I don't think we need him quite as much as I thought we would um, when the initial uh offer was put in when he was on trial i thought we were going to play like a 4 with someone to sit in and i we basically had Leiden and that was it so i thought initially that city sunoko was coming to cover for leiden um which would have been fine because you know leiden's got some issues but i think so far we're playing a 4 one and we've got plenty of depth a sentiment filled with leiden doughty may rose uh graham mcgillp even uh Deergaraga if you if you absolutely need him. So. Um, with, with the formation as it is, I, I wouldn't even mind at all if the deal didn't go through because, you know, like I said, I don't think we need him quite as much as we did um, a month ago, but clearly it'd be um, another player that Swindon could do with and any contract will only last six months anyway. So hopefully Swindon do get over the line, but I'm not quite as worried um, if it doesn't happen now that I would have been um, going into the season.
3: So we need a winger and a defender,
0: yeah? Yeah, centre-back to replace uh, Ballard, who's left us. We're keeping me, so... I think you probably just need a winger generally because of the, there's only really Woolery in Isgrove um, and then Jaysen when he comes back in three to four months' time and uh, may, may be a goalkeeper if, you, if you're still thinking that and I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hat in that ring but I think centre-back and uh, someone who can play a winger slash 10 uh, is needed in this, in this last week.
3: Well, let's see how it goes. We're recording again on Sunday for the Morecambe game so I dare say the new sign-ins won't come in if there are any until Monday. So that could be the first bonus pod of the season.
0: Well, hey, always nice to do a bonus pod based on transfers rather than managers leaving like we did last season. So um, I'll definitely take that for now.
3: It was fun though, wasn't it?
0: It was fun. And uh, Richie Rollins has been doing okay so far. So it was a, a bonus pod that was uh, much appreciated at the time, I think. and did well quite with, with a list of numbers and, uh, and certainly the, uh, the sacking of Phil Bryant didn't go too badly in the end.
3: Every cloud. Now... If this is a Swindon Town podcast, but I think it, it would be sort of remiss of me not to mention that during the space of me talking to Connor and talking to yourself, a football club has been expelled or kicked out of the EFL. That's Berry, uh, who were promoted from League Two last season. Uh, we beat them at Skig Lane, but they beat us. A terrible game that was um, at the county ground. Wolfenden, I remember scoring in that game absolutely awful although not surprising events up in Greater Manchester do we know what the implications of this for League Two is at the moment
0: in terms of statements the EFL have only confirmed what um, the 2020-21 League One season would look like which basically means that uh, promotion is staying the same for, for League Two and um, there's only going to be three teams coming down from League One this season and they'll will be replaced by the four that go up in League Two as normal so Hopefully, in, in terms of spending, it doesn't affect us too much because uh, that's what we'll be going for. Relegation hasn't been confirmed yet because, like I said, they've only EFL. have only talked about League One rather than League Two for next season. So, uh, relegation hasn't been confirmed. But by the looks of it, right now, it looks like only one team will be going down with only one from the conference coming up. But that's not yet confirmed. So, uh, less likely this winter going down than it was before. And uh, like I said, hopefully, the promotion picture will be what we're going for, and uh, that won't affect us. There'll still be four places that we can um, potentially achieve.
3: It's the ultimate fear in football, isn't it? As a fan, what what the Berry fans have gone through.
0: Yeah, I said um, yesterday, on tw- yesterday on Twitter that I'm only like 24 and Swindon have been on the brink a few times in, in sort of 2007 and 2013. So, you know, we we've been at death door quite a few times, and obviously we had the sort of demotion for financial, irregular, financial irregularities in the early 90s. So, Swindon, more than most clubs, are, uh, have been at that sort of worrying time of potentially losing their football club but I think generally every club uh, below the Premier League has is, is sort of felt that worry I think you could name probably at least two-thirds of the EFL currently and, and that club would have had financial problems and worries in the last 20 years and that includes so in the Premier League with the likes of Bournemouth and, and Wolves etc so yeah I think any English club definitely has that fear and uh, it only takes one sort of owner to um to fear it so you know even though I personally don't think leap has been that bad. I can, I definitely do get the feelings that people get nervous because, you know, like I said, it only takes one man to potentially turn a football club into dust. Really, I think you've touched upon a few times in, in DMs that any club that's been bought at sort of eleventh hour by businessmen isn't quite sustainable. So Bolton could find themselves in the situation um, in not not too distant future again. But I think at least they've had some some sort of rest rose barrier in a very uh, sort of perilous and uh, unknown situation.
3: This is depressing me. Yeah, it's,
0: it's very depressing. Yeah, it's the life <laughs> of an EFL fan. But you know, hopefully, yeah, Swindon can. Even though people aren't quite happy with the way things are going at the moment, I'm not going to turn this into a sort of power cheerleading cheerleading ex- exercise. But at least we're at the time of recording not um, sort of on the brink and, and massively looking over our shoulders. So, uh, but it, it can always it can always happen in the sort of blink of an eye. So hopefully, Swindon can be financially stable-ish for uh, the time being and and for a long time to come.
3: Amen to that. Shall we end the podcast on a happy note? We can certainly try. The podcast is sponsored.
0: It is brilliant news. I think it's, it's great that the Sydney Supporters Club are uh, being involved in the podcast and uh, the feel-good factor around swimming can continue with a lot of love in between the club, podcast and uh, other, other other influences.
3: Yeah, it's it's amazing that the SCFC Official Supporters Club have reached out as I stated on social media for those who, who caught it if you don't not much is changing beyond the occasional bit of promotion and a few mentions in the episodes it's not going to be like some podcast where i'm going to talk for 10 minutes about it or anything like that it's very it's going to be short and snappy but you know i might do a few announcements on their behalf which I've got no problems doing and I'm also hoping that we'll be able to do some cool stuff nearer to the end of the season maybe do a live episode or or at least a a live show to support the supporters club in any way possible really so I, I hope to do that I'm certainly more than willing it's just whether it's logistically possible but Fingers crossed that 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 can happen in the future.
0: Yeah, like you said, I think uh, as someone who listens to a lot of football podcasts, I'm just glad that uh, this wasn't a betting partnership. You've got I'm very sick of hearing uh, Paddy Power's various interruptions during multiple podcasts. So they may be saving the show, but they're definitely not saving the football podcast. So definitely uh, glad that it's a a good cause that uh, the podcast is championing. And and like I said, it's a real community feel around the moment currently, which uh, has not been the case for a long time.
3: Is there anything else that we need to discuss before we go?
0: I get, this, I get asked this question a lot by you and I, I don't think I've ever said yes at this point. Uh, you're, you're just too good at covering stuff. So yet again, my answer is no. And uh, hopefully this is a podcast that will go down well with, uh, with the uh, the adoring and public.
3: Absolutely. So we'll go back to the usual schedule next week, folks, where we'll do a roundup of the Morecambe game for Monday morning and then Tommy Mooney a week on Thursday. That's going to be fun. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Rich.
1: Try
3: the Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford, and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
2: Come on, Swindon. It's a grand old team to play for And it's a grand old team to see And if you know the history It's enough to make your heart go Oh, we don't care what the Newcastle say What the hell do we care? Cos we only know that there's going to be a show And it's wind and time Well hey. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends,